Hi, everyone. My name is Rafael Tamayo, and you are listening to Frequencies, an OC3 podcast. I'm the manager of the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. We are a division of the City of Dallas Office of Arts and Culture. I'm really excited about today's episode. We have special guests here with us, so I will waste no time and hand it off to our cultural programs coordinator and gallery curator so that we can jump right in to the conversation. Hello, everyone. This is Iris Bechtel. And uh, first, I want to thank our artists for being here. Um, Erica Velicella, Taylor Cleveland, and Danielle Giorgio. Um, they are the artists that I chose to be in the Body Being exhibition. And I'm going to start out by kind of talking about the idea behind this show. So in each of your practices, you have an investment in getting at humanness and what that means individually as you consider um, and as you consider others and the space around you. So I had this idea for the exhibition because I'm always thinking about self-awareness and trying to understand the physical body, the, the flesh of the physical body, but also like trying to understand how I live in relation to other bodies, space, other beings. And so researching, looking for artists who are, you know, even, even just a little bit kind of touching on some of the things that I was thinking about um, for the exhibition. And so thank you again for all being here and for making really thoughtful work and being willing to share it in this exhibition with our larger community and with me. Um, I always feel like when I put together a show or do anything in the arts that I sort of do it a little bit selfishly because it's something that I'm really interested in. <laughs> but I think, you know, that's part of, you know, what you do as when you when you make something. And I feel like this is kind of, you know, me making something, but um, all of the labor was, you know, by created by you, the three of you. So I want to give some introductions um, for all of you because I think that's really important uh, for people who are listening to know who you are and what you do. So I'm going to start with Taylor. Taylor Cleveland is an artist and creative director and based in Dallas, Texas. He received his BFA from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago with an emphasis in film, video, new media, and animation. His work has been exhibited internationally in many ca capacities, including residencies, collaborations with brands, studios, and artists, and group exhibitions. His work is focused on technology's role in people's environments, physical and digital, and explores this focus through mediums, including but not limited to performance, video, projection, audio, music, animation, installation, code, and paint. Erica Felicella is a practicing artist and arts professional that moved to Dallas over 20 years ago and lives in Oak Cliff. Yay. Her great passions are the arts, culture, and the community of North Texas. She works as an artist, curator, producer, organizer, and program developer. Her years of advocacy in Dallas have allowed her to form a deep bond in the North Texas art sphere. Her current artistic practice includes endurance, endurance and durational-based performance, site-specific installation, and new media works. Her works dive into the depths of society through exploration of thoughts, ideas, and a felt response of a collective whole. Felicella is currently the executive producer of Dallas-based arts organization Aurora, 
and she works alongside the founders to be a part of its growth and expansion. Danielle Giorgio is an artist and educator who works in dance, theater, and performance and video art. Her stage and video work deal with puzzles found in femininity, vulnerability, deformity, and beauty. Her work has shown nationally across Texas, New York, California, Florida, Oregon, Germany, and Scotland. She exhibited her work at Texas Biennial and Women in Their Work, and she is the founder of Danielle Giorgio Dance Group. Under Danielle Giorgio Dance Group, she has created a series of collaborative devised dance theater productions with a team of artists and dancers based in Dallas, Texas. DGDG has performed across Texas, Oklahoma, and California. I've seen several of your productions, and they're amazing. Y'all get out there. Uh, she received her PhD in Humanities Aesthetic Studies from the University of Texas at Dallas, and her dissertation focused on redefining contemporary dance theater and exploring the interdisciplinary nature of dance and avant-garde experimental theater practices. That was a mouthful because y'all are amazing. Um, so as you could hear our audience that these are three really, really brilliant, um, amazing people who are working across a lot of different disciplines. So now we're going to get into really talking about the work in the show. And I'm going to start out with Taylor. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Alphabetically, you Alphabetically, <laughs> yes. Um, and um, let's talk about um, your work for the show, because we did a studio visit. We, it was really great. And um, I was really interested in, I'm not even sure of remembering how I found your work, but, you know, just researching and looking on social media and, you know, the internet and looking for artists. And I saw your animations and I was just really intrigued by them and when we met you were you talked to me about how you make them and that like really pulled me in even more so can you tell us a little bit about the the process of making your work yeah so for this exhibition um this is new work i made specifically for the exhibition um the the process in which i got to this current piece um was exploring a lot of AI, um, uh, new sort of like work in AI processes, um, stable diffusion, and generative adversarial networks, which are two different types of machine learning processes. Um, and I was thinking a lot about um, sort of uh, the implications of AI and how easy it is to make um, pretty aesthetic um, uh, how easy it is now to make paintings, um, just, just very good compositions. Um, and then also thinking about like what it takes behind the scenes for that technology to operate. Um, and so conceptually I landed on this sort of like, uh, um, these, these themes of, you know, like uncanny, grotesque, beautiful, um, um, like uh, themes and imagery uh, and the, the like in the framework of what the, the show was mm -hmm. um, the body being at the time when you approached me it was the body in flux which is where the yes. name for my work came from <laughs> um, so it was thinking about these these themes in context to the body mm -hmm. um, and sort of like how we live with this technology 
um, now and moving forward, what that sort of like means for the body, what that means for technology. Um, and so my, my sort of uh, conceptual process was thinking about like both ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. and just like mashing them together, um, thinking about materials, how to frame this imagery, um, how to create like a, a, a story, but not so much like a, like a, an objective story, but something a bit more um, uh, like letting it, l- letting it open up to the audience and let people um, sort of take what they want from this sort of um, work that I'm presenting. Because um, I don't think that I have a specific um, opinion. I, I, I sort of like see different sides of the argument um uh you know like is ai good is it bad um uh where does the human live with technology where does creativity creativity live um and i'm kind of like playing with both sides Mm -hmm. um just to explore what it means and then to open up conversations Mm -hmm. with people Mm -hmm. um so i think that's kind of where it all came from And so um, when we had a studio visit and you were kind of talking about, you know, how you use various platforms, programs to to kind of start the creative part of the work. Um, And I I I'm correct me if I'm wrong. You kind of can pull images by, you know, feeding this program different words. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of talked about, you know, these are different objects, you know, they're you know, maybe in or maybe organic, maybe non-organic. And so that kind of is sort of has me thinking about, you know, how we do relate like in the real world, in real life to all these other objects and beings around us. And so having you then do that and, but do it, um, through the digital realm, it's just like really interesting to me how you're trying to see it's almost like as how you're trying to see how those things fit together, but in the virtual digital mm. space. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, have you, is that anything that you think about, like, as you're sitting at your, you know, computer at your desk, kind of building the work, um, are there specific ideas that you have in your mind about, like, is there something that correlates in your actual real life? to what you're feeding the, um, the technology. Mm-hmm. So in the, the stable diffusion, uh, sort of machine learning process, um, uh, it works by feeding sort of keywords into this, uh, algorithm that then generates, um, uh, forms based on those keywords. You could think about a Google image search. So you search like dog, helicopter, mm-hmm. um, ocean blue, and what it does is it sort of like averages thousands and thou- thousands of pictures that um, are also sort of like uh, um, correlated with those words mm-hmm. um, and then um, averages those averages together to make these new types of forms. Mm-hmm. And so what a lot of people are, are using this, this technology for is um, to, to create very like beautiful aesthetic imagery. So they'll, they'll type in like... Um, name a celebrity painting um, canvas. And so it, it'll kind of piecemeal this this picture that looks pretty good. What I've been doing is sort of like critically thinking about this relationship that people have with technology and using like 
feelings as um, keywords. So it's it's less about finding a specific like visual aesthetic and letting the technology find that aesthetic for me. Um, sort of like in a slot machine like process until I find things that I feel like are communicating what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my personal life, you know, I'm confused and I'm excited. Um, I uh, um, I feel like that about a lot of things. <laughs> um, technology or just for the day to day. And, and I think I, I just let that sort of like curiosity guide me um and a lot of the uh different artistic pra- uh, like projects i, I mm-hmm. take on it's a lot of curiosity and sort of like um adventure or journey uh mm-hmm. going into the unknown to to pull things out and find things mm-hmm. i hope that answers your question it does it really does and it had me thinking about a lot of other things um because i'm you know hearing you say that and hearing you say you know you're you're pulling from like you know you're able to use like feelings as something that you can plug in um it makes me really interested in like you know how we try to interpret those things right and then looking at the work you know if you sit there and stare at those animations there is a kind of feeling that you get from them, you know, a response, there's a, like an emotive response. And then the, the outside, um, you know, I've had people come in and look at the work during, during the reception. And then, you know, in the days after when we've been here and the gallery has been open and there's sort of a like, ew, and a kind of like, cause they're wrapped in this, the screens are actually, you know, wrapped in these like really for our listeners, they're wrapped in these sort of like, really gooey fleshy fleshy, um material that that looks like you know for lack of a better word filleted like a filleted (laughs) skin kind of um but they're also there's like this kind of very visceral fleshiness it's it's very like alluring but it's also grotesque grotesque um and it and but then when you look at the animations to me, I don't find those, even though they look kind of like, you know, muscles or nerves or or like something of the body, like rolling over and spinning around and transforming. Those are like these very beautiful, it's very beautiful, um, kind of rhythmic. They're very rhythmic the way that the animations um, move forward. And so there's like this real kind of contrast between the two. And so it kind of makes me think of like, you know, the body as like this really fleshy, gross thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> which it, it, it is, it can be. And then technology is this really clean, you know, space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's a real thing. I, I think it, so personally, I, I'm one of those people who gets queasy very easily or like <laughs> body things kind of freak me out, like blood and organs. I was just with a friend who, um, he, he uh, gave uh, one of his kidneys uh, to his brother um, and him telling me about that process and like, uh, I was like borderline about to pass out like for that entire hour we were talking about it. Um, and so I thought like this, 
this was a, a fun project and like an interesting thing to explore because I, I have this sort of like, um, I wouldn't say problem with mortality, but there's like a sense that like our entire sort of like consciousness or like life experience mm-hmm. is just like wrapped up in this very fragile, fleshy like package. Um, and, you know, I, I spend so much time thinking about like computers and networks and um just technology that I, I I think it like widens the gap between like the digital and the the physical um and so I get very conceptual very heady very abstract and I forget about like my hands Mm -hmm. or um what it means to be a human um and I think that uh this has just been like a very um uh, uh, like powerful opportunity for me to explore like that relationship yeah, to have a, like that more tactile um, element brought into your work and everyone has wanted to touch it mm-hmm. and so I, I actually think you know we might have to ask you to come back and bring like a little sample yeah. of that so we can put pin it on the wall and say this is what you can touch <laughs> not the actual work here <laughs> It, you can feel it. It's kind of sticky and gooey. And, yeah. um, you know, I touched it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is very touchable. But I feel like, you know, as the curator, that's a lot. <laughs> and I didn't like, you know, fondle it, but I just kind of pushed, pushed it a little bit. But I feel like what you just said about your work and how you feel about the body segues into both of Danielle and Erica's work because Erica's work is very much about a lot of it is about the experience of the body and that that you know the the fragility of the body and then Danielle you know she has like all of those things and like thinking about the grotesque grotesqueness the deformity the vulnerability and so I'm not sure like where to go next (laughs) I feel like you know maybe we'll go to Erica so alphabetically you (laughs) come next yes (laughs) Um, so, um, so Erica, you did a performance, um, on the night of the reception, um, that was for you a really powerful, um, process to go through. Um, and I've been thinking about that, that performance a lot, um, for me kind of tapping into those emotions um, amongst a group of people in front of other people is a very kind of scary thing. So I'm like, you know, what you shared with everyone and kind of that vulnerability and trying to pull that, that vulnerability, um, out of people, not to kind of, you know, make anyone feel unsafe, but to kind of help everyone else process, I think is a really powerful thing that you do in your work. And can so can you talk a little bit about like um, the piece come back from goodbye and you know um, the process of you know setting up and and building that piece and experiencing it? Well, first of all, thank you for having me uh, in this exhibition, and it's it's been an honor to create a work that uh, you know this this work for me. You know, and everything that I create, it starts, uh, the origin is me um, and something that I have lived through or I am currently living through. And then I try to relate it to 
humanity, the human condition, and you know what everybody else is having to experience as we walk on this this planet you know, as best I can. So the creation of this work started with, you know, the grief and loss uh, that I've experienced uh, in, uh, I will say my age, in the 45 years of life that I have lived on this planet. And I realized, you know, when I was, you know, in the concept stage of this piece that uh, I had a lot of grief and loss that I had never dealt with. So I wanted to use um, references that were very um, recognizable uh, using the earth uh, in many different ways. Uh, I'm uh, obsessed with ritual and a lot of different types of rituals. And I have found that, um, you know, repetitive process uh, tends to like build up in people and, you know, they'll start to see it and get drawn into it. And then I use, um, you know, whatever, you know, I, I don't rehearse, so I never know what I'm going to say. And then I just kind of feel the energy that's in the space that I'm at. And um, I noticed during this piece, and this isn't always the case, but everybody was just silent. And um, I didn't have to talk very loud and... You know, in, in most of my works, I try to have some sort of invitation invitation for uh, engagement. And it always takes a little while until somebody recognizes that there's an opening for them as well. And, you know, with performance, it's, you know, you can plan as best you can. But, you know, the minute you invite another human in to participate, it's an unknown factor. So I didn't really know what was going to happen when I came in to come back from goodbye. Uh, I just knew that I wanted to connect it to, you know, the last several years. Uh, the whole world has been dealing with a different level of grief and loss uh, as, as a world. And um, not everybody knows how to process these feelings and emotions. So I wanted to lend an opportunity to take it there. And in my work, I like to try to bring people to a place without them even knowing they're going there. And kind of, you know, it's tricky of me. I, I mean, it's sneaky of me to do this to people. <laughs> but, but the goal is, you know, is to leave them in a place of contemplation, and to hopefully create uh, a space for emotions to, to rise up. And that, that was the goal of this piece was, you know, it was not just about, you know, grief and loss of, of people in your life, but also, you know, um, memories, uh, locations, you know, it's like life, you know, we don't just experience loss on a, you know, human to human level, but, you know, there's maybe you never got a chance to say goodbye to, you know, for me, it was my childhood home. You know, um, and th that is something that, you know, th there's grief, loss and some anger in that. So uh, I use the the concept of, of dirt, which, by the way, y'all, I was highly allergic to, um, which I found out later. But but we transferred, you know, the dirt over to a tombstone. So it was instead of burying something in the ground, it was creating um, the opposite effect. Mm -hmm. So it was releasing it into the world. Um, so, you know, I try to create very minimalist work. 
because uh, I find that uh, the human condition, um, if you really break it down, it's relatively raw and can be simple. And that's a, I have found that humans will make it complicated. All I have to do is open the door. So that, that's my goal, and that was the goal from Come Back from Goodbye. Thank you for that. Um, so can you talk about now um, the, the um, performance objects? So um, for those of you that may have not seen the exhibition yet, um, in the art gallery, along with um, documentation of another performance that Erica has um, being presented on a screen, there are objects in the gallery that were part of her performance, um, Come Back from Goodbye. And so can you talk a little bit about, like, you know, why you have those in this space, you know, um, and the reasoning behind that and why you you want to continue to share that with an audience? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, each object that for this particular performance uh, is very intentional. Um, everything has uh, a purpose and a design behind it. And sometimes people pick up the thread or some people feel it. Um, but this particular piece, like I said, it's all of the earth. It's of memory um, all the way down to the design. Um, the types of fabrics that were used, what was used to dye the fabric, uh, the person that was making the garment. I actually, gave, you know, we talked about uh, what I wanted them to think about while they were sewing. You know, it's like, so it was all about you know, putting the emotion into the object as it was being created. And so also, you know, the tombstone is not made of stone. It is made, uh, it's, it's ceramic. Uh, that's on purpose uh, because, like I said, this is about the earth. So I wanted it to be made of something that is physically from the earth itself. Uh, the shovels that are in the piece, which was used to move the dirt from one location to the next, uh, have a leather component to them. Um, there's only one shade of leather for the one that's in the gallery space, but there were three shovels total, and they all represented the process of, of moving through grief. So there was a lighter tan, a darker tan, and a darkest tan, and each one was um, the weight of grief. And the one in, in the gallery is kind of middle-level grief, I guess we <laughs> shall call it. Um, and like, then... Like between, between like acceptance and denial? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I just decided middle sounds good. Yeah. And, um, and the piece that was in the performance was, you know, brand new, you know, the unearthing of new grief. So each object plays a very significant part of the work and even the layout and the design because it's very linear. Um, there is a, a way to move about and around the work. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to go, you know, from, say, left to right. You can take it from, you know, right to left and, and feel a different reaction to it. Mm -hmm. So, but, I mean, there are simple things. Uh, like there's a there's a mat that the pillow sits on top of, and it's actually dyed with coffee, which is also, you know, a natural, you know, organic dye. 
Um, I'm also obsessed with coffee, so there's a little bit of that in there. <laughs> but it's also coffee that had been expired and was considered unusable um, in this world. Mm-hmm. So it was given a new life. So all of the objects kind of tied together and have an emotional, um, you know, input going into them. And my goal is that people will spend a little extra time because there's an intentionality behind everything. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of symbolism. Uh, There's, uh, you know, there's a cloth that the pillow sits on top of, which is, you know, representative of kind of um, pause and uh, prayer for some mm-hmm. people, but it's also just a chance to, you know, to take a break, mm-hmm. which breaks up the the process, which which gives allows the person acceptance um, of what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And then the shovel is very um, not just the the color color of the leather, but it's a very you know sharp object. It, it's very shiny. It's 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 was intended to be that way it's not a traditional looking shovel um so you know it's like it doesn't dig normally Mm -hmm. it's a little more complicated to use Uh, so everything uh serves a purpose and even the circular uh imprint of the of the dirt is about the representation of the whole Mm -hmm. so it's coming full circle on on your process Mm -hmm. so So this really makes me think, too, about the beauty of objects, you know, because these are very specific. They're specific objects. Um, That's a title of um, an essay by a well-known artist, which I can't think of right now. might be Donald Judd, but but they're very specific to your performance. Um, And they are very beautiful as objects. Even the, the headstone, the tombstone, is a very beautiful object as a ceramic object. Um, it's very it's a sculpture to me it's a sculpture in a, in space that you could take from that space and put it by itself as a piece and all of these objects kind of exist individually as a piece but you know together they kind of represent you know your performance um, kind of thinking about the beauty of objects do you um, and I know you know I've seen a lot of your other performances the documentation of them um do you um have objects from all your performances that you also have kind of like you know kind of they're kind of like a catalog of your performances just like the documentation of those performances are iris you're kind of calling me out right now (laughs) (laughs) because i have the weirdest storage unit that anybody's probably ever seen um yes i do keep objects as references because um they are uh not inanimate objects to me they are they have life to them and they are exactly that they're they extend beyond um my my living being and are given um life during the piece yes yes so it's it's very uh i take it with me yeah yes i think that's really important it's something that's that i think about you know how how do we experience objects around us and what makes some objects more um keepable more precious than uh, than others you know which ones are throw away which ones are keep and how that is different for all people (laughs) you know some people will collect newspapers or magazines or you know it's it's whatever and 
Um, so that's something I find really interesting, not just because you're using them in your performance, but, but because you're really thinking about them, you know, in the specifics of them as you're kind of creating the piece for the performance and then like they hold a lot of meaning for you. Um, so do you have some of the rocks from the, <laughs> the documentation of, of the release um, that's also in the gallery? There is a small pile on my front porch. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, and I have all the glass jars and all the cards that were used. I have the journals that were written in. Mm -hmm. um, I keep, I keep as much, of, you know, if it's not too big, Yes, I, I keep it. Yeah. yeah. So I I I have a million questions that I could ask. Um, Go. Say, um, <laughs> uh, from the conversation we had before the recording about a previous experience at an installation, and my experience of you walking into the building the day of your performance, you you carried something with you, and everyone in the office felt you walk inside our building. Because, you know, I can only imagine that the journey of your performance, it was so charged. And Erica, you have this calm temperament, this even-tempered approach, and you even mentioned a minimalist view when you're crafting experiences and you're just opening a door. And I will personally say that the impact is maximum. From my experience as an audience member, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm trying to navigate my response to your work and trying to find out how you got to articulating this message so well afterwards, after I went through everything. Because, um, I mean, I, I, I was so angry. I was so upset. I, I walked in for just a few seconds, but I felt so many different kinds of things in response to your performance and to your work in the gallery. Um, I mean, I can imagine that it had to be by design, even though you said you just opened a door, but... I mean, I'm rambling and going through all of this just to say, one, uh, can we expect a book from you anytime soon? <laughs> and two, how did you approach this thoughtful design, like in dealing with the variable of human interaction? And then, you know, from a theater person living in a world of improv, you went on to create this wide range of emotions in a performance where I was so happy, so sad, so upset, so uncomfortable, so full of joy. And I was revisiting memories that were so incredible. So I took this wild journey right after I experienced a performance that, you know, I, I only experienced for a few seconds. So how? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, thank you um, for going there. Uh, that's probably, I'm incredibly humbled when people release and let go. Uh, and that's kind of what I try to aim for in my work. Uh, sometimes I do it in a sneaky way. Um, and then, you know, I always try to leave a moment of of documentation from people. Um, this time I didn't have it, but I always want to know where people went. Uh, and it helps me kind of further the study of the work. It's helped me. Uh, each concept requires a different level of detail. Um, this one was, this was such a, a big concept, and I've learned that um, if you give too much, you know, sensory overload in what I'm trying to say, then it gets lost. And um, the words that I use, uh, although not rehearsed, uh, I'll notice by the shifting of weight by people, by, for instance, the silence in the room. 
Um, I never make direct eye contact, so I have to read it basically off of just reaction um, that I can hear. And um, so for that particular piece, you know, the silence was the biggest indicator that it was taking people to a deep level. Um, and designing the work, uh, you know, it's, it's a shot in the dark, honestly. Um, I have a long history and obsession with psychology and the study of human behavior and certain things, uh, you know, silly things like getting in an elevator and turning the wrong direction, you know, and how uncomfortable, you know, just a body position can make people feel. There's been a whole study on that. That is not my uh, design. Um, I can't steal it. But, but I mean, it's simple things like that. It's, you know, whether you decide to turn left or right, you know, it's like... Uh, when I noticed somebody was, was, you know, shoveling a lot of dirt on their own, I shared dirt with them at one point to kind of break their, their repetitive pattern. And, um, you know, so it's both for the people that interact and the people that don't. Because, uh, uh, so it's my goal is always, I don't mean to make people cry, but I've done it a lot over the years. And, so the design is is basic and simple on purpose because, you know, it's not a very thick veil that we put over our emotions, no matter how much we hide it or cover it. It's like a very thin membrane that you can pierce. Uh, you just have to figure out, you know, exactly which part you want to go for and and hope for the best, you know, in performance, it's like, okay, we'll see what happens. And, uh, and, uh, I've just hearing you say that, um, is honor is very, like I said, I'm very humbled by it because that means the work, uh, was successful. And as far as a book, uh, if you know a good, um, person that wants to rep me in order to write it, um, I'm here and all ears. That here it would... is. Okay. Yes. Folks listening, let's get those recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as I was listening to you talk, um, respond to, to Raphael, I was thinking about, you know, and you talking about your sneakiness and like piercing that veil. And I think like for me experiencing that performance and your work, I was more concerned about you <laughs> when I was watching the performance and I'm thinking like, you know, her face is red. She's clearly crying. I can hear you speaking and you're saying things that are really emotional. And so I, I went to, Oh, Erica, I I'm feeling for you rather than really tapping into anything that I might be feeling. So that's one for your book. <laughs> Writing it down yes. right now. Um, and I think that's some of the way that I feel about about Danielle, about your work, too. When um, I sat down the, this past few weeks after the show opened, which is like the most time I've gotten to spend with the work, because I have a tendency to throw shows together really quickly and beg <laughs> artists to please make work. And y'all made amazing work in like, what, two months? Really? Two months. Um, and all made new work, um, and, and came up with all these ob objects related to the work and, um, and made, you know, me feel really special. Um, but, you know, spending time 
time with your work, I I really feel like, you know, watching these videos of your performances, I, I really feel like I'm watching you, but I shouldn't be there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sort of feel that way. And so can you kind of talk about, um, maybe not like start out like about each individual, but kind of talk about like when you're making these videos, like what are your expectations of the viewer? Like, what are you thinking? You know, it, I know you have a plan, but is some of it kind of improvised? And what do you think about like the other and about how we might per- be perceiving it? Are we, am I, am I to be this like weird thing watching you? And I'm, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be like I really do like when you talk about voyeurism you know I and I sat with these pieces for um a good bit of time I just really felt like it made me feel very awkward Mm -hmm. uh, yes uh you are supposed to uh the Usually when I'm approaching making these video pieces, which are performances, but they're meant to be intimate individual performances. So they are specific for each viewer. It You are watching the same video, but everybody comes in with their own expectations, mm-hmm. specifically of what the female body is supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and the pieces, all the work that I've ever made, it's very provocative. Uh, seductive work in a very brutal and gr- uh, grotesque way. They are not meant to turn you on in right. any regard. They are meant to disgust you mm-hmm. and make you question why you immediately thought, oh, I'm like specifically in one of these videos, it's a close up of a mouth. So it's supposed to make me feel a certain way and it's supposed to be sexual and sensual, but you're watching it and um, it grosses you out a little bit to watch somebody (laughs) eat is not something that most people, it is something for somebody. Um, I will not fetish shame anyone, (laughs) but for the majority of the population, you don't want to watch somebody eat. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really playing with what is considered um, the ideal feminine beauty and what is considered disgusting, gross, and depraved mm-hmm. and trying to find that middle ground. And so, yeah, the videos are meant to be voyeuristic, and that comes from the perspective of the camera. Mm-hmm. And th- usually the way that I want to set up the viewing of these video pieces is for one person at a time, mm-hmm. um, which we've translated here. Yes, with the chairs. Yes. Which are very specific objects as yes, well. They are very to specific. To each video. So yes. y'all need to come see. And it is Donald Judd uh, who wrote yes. the very famous essay, Specific Objects, I think 1965. Yeah. Oh my God, I feel so smart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's because you are. Um, and I do actually think about that very much in line with Erica and Taylor about the objects that are in the video as well as the object that you are sitting on when you're viewing those videos. So these chairs that are inside the gallery now uh, were specifically chosen for each video and designed in a way in which um, to evoke a feeling and emotion while watching them. And we can talk about that more yeah. specifically. So, I like. mean, like for the one that you're describing, the video that you're describing mm-hmm. where you're eating, you're eating flowers yes. and that, that piece is called Sometimes I. Mm-hmm. And so that chair is like a kind of fluffy, it's like a Sherpa-y. Yeah. Like that's the best description, like 
like yeah, shag <laughs> carpety and it's pink. Yes. Which makes me think of the body. Yes. Um, so it's very specifically pink um, for a very specific body part. Mm-hmm. Oh. And yeah. Um, and <laughs> well, I guess two specific body. I guess multiple. Multiple. Yes. <laughs> If this was on video, you'd see me staring at the sky, dreaming of all the different parts that it actually represents. <laughs> um, it was, it's, it's the mouth. Like, yes. it's like if you crawled inside my mouth, mm-hmm. uh, it would feel like this Sherpa blanket covered chair. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think about the pillow that is your tongue and then the yeah. the inside of the cheek and, and the, the of pillow of the lips. Yeah. yeah. So that's the body part I'm referring to. It's the mouth. Um in case anyone was confused. <laughs> You're like dreaming about all these things. Um, but I wanted it to feel like you were crawling inside my mouth um, without it being wet. Because um, okay. that's okay. not, you know, that would come with all these other yes. uh, expectations you walked into the gallery. Right. Um, but I really was thinking about like the pillow soft of the lips. Mm-hmm. Um, and the title of that video um was just sort of pulled out of midair. And then as I was starting to research the other videos that I wanted to make for this exhibition, I found that it had a relationship to an E.E. Cummings poem. And so then I just dove headfirst into E.E. Cummings Mm -hmm. and the titles for the other pieces come from a variety of poems of his. So um, can we talk about the sort of slapstickness of... Um, the know of all nothing, which is like a diptych kind of video, mm-hmm. um, because that is I've I've know your work. I've known your work for ten plus years, oh gosh, yeah. and there is in a lot of the um, the musical theater that you do. There's a kind of slapstickness. I know that's not a word, y'all. Um, yeah, sure it is. I just made it up <laughs> um, in in that work, and so I think this is the the piece, the know of all nothing that. I felt most um, comfortable with mm-hmm. um, because it made me laugh. Yeah. It was both like, oh, what's happening? Oh, whoa. You know, and also like, oh, this is hilarious. <laughs> and it made me think of Buster Keaton. And then we were texting and you were like, yes. And I was like, yes, I feel smart again. Um, but can you talk about, can you talk about that piece yeah. and doing that piece? Cause this, is this the first time you've had another person it is. This is the first video piece that I have included another body in, and it was not uh, in my intention. I was shooting the video by myself um, and on these squash courts or racquetball courts, and people were playing next to me, and I was with um, Justin Locklear, who's my partner, um, and he was there as the director of photography. Mm-hmm. Um, because as I have grown in my practice of video <laughs> art and these like filmed performances, I used to do them all by myself. And then I have grown and discovered that sometimes I'm in places where I shouldn't be by myself. Yes. Um, and it's good to have another person there to make sure, one, I stay alive, because um, I have a tendency to put myself in positions where I could uh, injure myself. Um, and two, that I'm not... Uh, bothered or accosted or assaulted Mm -hmm. because like that is something that you have to think about well you're a woman in the world yeah yeah and I'm usually in a place where 
it's it ends up getting dark or I'm dressed in a certain way where people might not understand that it's a performance and not an invitation. Yeah. So mm-hmm. having another person there is great. Um, so when we were filming, there were people that were playing and halfway through the shoot, I was like, oh, I wonder if anybody will want to play with me. <laughs> and this guy was just in the court next to us and just solo hitting uh, the ball against the wall. And I uh, approached him and Justin and I went and we were like, hey, I'm shooting this video. I'm an artist. It's going to be at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. Would you like to do exactly what you're doing? But I'll be there too. And he was like, sure. No problem. His name is John. He's wonderful. I love you, John. Thank you. And he was legitimately wearing this all white tennis outfit. And the the text on the T-shirt was it could not have been more perfect for the video. And I told him, John, just keep hitting the ball. Don't worry about me. And he was like, what if it hits you? And I said, well, if it hits me, it's OK. He's like, it's going to hurt. And I said, yes. <laughs> And don't stop. No yeah. matter what happens, yeah. don't stop hitting the ball yeah. against the wall. This is what performers do, y'all, <laughs> including Erica. They put their bodies through a test. And I knew, like, it's a tennis ball. It's not going to hurt that much. It's not right. the worst thing I've done to myself. So uh, I was okay. And it was, like, instant. We got into a rhythm. No practice. So the video that you see is a one-take, one-shot wonder because of John, I can't really take credit for <laughs> for that. Um, <clears throat> but he just uh, started, and I started walking, and uh, he never once hit me with that ball. I saw that. Yeah, I was like, wow, yeah, it was perfect. A magician. Um, but I mean, I am a I'm a clown at heart. Mm-hmm. I'm a comedian. I I can't turn it off mm-hmm. um, because I just I really deeply believe in laughing through uh terrible yes things um because i find it cathartic Mm -hmm. um and sometimes the laughter or the comedy of it is not funny Mm haha but it's just like this is the world we live in and if we can't find the humor in the disaster then we'll never survive Mm -hmm. and a long long time ago i read a quote by Samuel Beckett that said there's nothing funnier than unhappiness and that has been the basis of all of my art making for over a decade the moment the moment I discovered Samuel Beckett I was like I'm done this is it um existentialism is the way to be and yeah there is nothing funnier than unhappiness and that I mean that that I you can ask Erica and Taylor who have all worked with me <laughs> on something um, that it's just it's just a great it's my motto I don't you know not yeah. everyone would probably agree with me but it's how I've decided to live my life and the know of all nothing is really just this bizarre not happy video yeah I mean I'm in a precarious situation. Mm-hmm. And what could happen? Who knows? Yes. But it's funny to watch me deal with this stress. Yes. Because it's relatable. Yeah. I think everyone knows what it feels like to have balls just thrown at you, curveballs, dodgeballs, dodgeballs, all of that <laughs> over and over again. And then in the, the diptych next to it, it's me trying like feats of extraordinary abilities. Like, yes. can I climb this wall? No. Um, can I 
stand upside down. Well, some days I yeah. can, but that day I couldn't. Um, and then there's like me trying to become part of the wall. Yes. Like, can I disappear into this like kind of mushing your face? Into yeah. It. Yeah. Um, and no, I can't walk through walls. Mm-hmm. Sadly, I haven't figured that part out yet. Um, but yeah, it's just it represents a lot of of traumatic, stressful mm-hmm. things. And watching somebody try to confront those is relieving Mm -hmm. and it hopefully gives the viewer the opportunity to be like okay I too can make it yeah yeah I think that's really I mean like you've said so many things that I'm just like over here like nodding my head (laughs) like yes 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 that's why I love that so much thank you for articulating why I love that piece because that's my favorite piece but I also really like um your other piece um that's in the show that I really finally got to sit down with like two or three days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the mystery of my flesh. Completing the Completing mystery, the mystery of, of my, my flesh. flesh. Um, sorry, bad curator for getting the title. It's a really long title. It's, it's okay. a very long title. <laughs> um, but that one is also, there's a, there's a, you know, a sort of like, you know, Oh my God. Uh, you know, what's happening. And also like you made it funny. I tried. I tried. Um, and I think it is because, you know, you're you're like in the video, you're you're like chomping down on this like it's a giant bag a baguette. Yes. It's, it's a, kind of a mm-hmm. baguette um mm-hmm. piece of bread. And then every few like seconds, I guess, you're like just collapsing. Yeah, it's my trademark. I love to fall down. Yes, um, yeah. I either throw myself you can at the walls or fall down. You <laughs> yep. can hear the collapse. It's like a clonk. Uh-huh. Um, and then you just get back up again and you start eating. the, And it's like this over and over and over and over again. Um, Kind of like, I don't know, experiencing like what it is to be a living being mm-hmm. and have to consume and then what happens after that consumption? Yeah. I don't know. That's the things that I was thinking about. You're right on. <laughs> um, the bread that I'm eating, they are baguettes, and I ate um, too many baguettes. <laughs> I think I ate four. Wow. Um, and no one should eat four baguettes in a period of like mm-hmm. a half an hour, which is like all I could do. Because... Um, I wanted to film it as dusk was falling into mm-hmm. nighttime, and it was also right before the last um, full moon of this or super moon of this yeah. season. Yeah. Um, and so there was like a lot of like cosmic things that I was yes. like, I need to do right now. <laughs> um, and so we only had this short period of time as dusk was falling. So I ate four baguettes in that time, um, and I felt terrible. No mm-hmm. one should eat that much bread. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is about consumption and um, the repetition mm-hmm. of life. And you fall down, you get back up. You fall down, you get back up. It's another Samuel Beckett quote about failing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I need to read Samuel Beckett. Yeah, he's got some okay. zingers. Uh, <laughs> and it's about like failing better. Mm-hmm. Like yes. fail, fail again to fail better. I love it. I love failure. And that that's all that video truly is. Like, can I eat this bread? Yes. 
but I did fail at it afterwards. <laughs> and the falling down and getting back up, falling down, getting back up in a field of grass and grain mm -hmm. to go back to the bread. So again, the object was very specifically chosen. Mm -hmm. um, and the bread is also ambrosia. So this idea of longevity and immortality yeah. like if i continue to eat this will i figure out the secret of life mm -hmm. will i complete the mystery of my flesh um and so there's always also a little bit of like greek mythology inside mm -hmm. of all of my work because mm -hmm. surprise surprise hello i am from cyprus yes. i am uh, a greek person um and so the ambrosia was a continuation from the flowers mm -hmm. and and sometimes i i was thinking about the story of Hades and Persephone and the return of spring and life and femininity back to earth. And then in completing the mystery of my flesh was once again, this idea of eating the ambrosia and what will that give me? And this time it was bread and grain to talk about Demeter and just uh, nature and how like our bodies are always a part of nature. Mm -hmm. And then in the know of all nothing, it's, more about like Achilles mm -hmm. and my Achilles heel is my body as a dancer and performer and as I get older it can't do what it used to do yes and that's okay but like confronting that reality is difficult and a challenge and really when I met John and was able to shoot this with him it was also this like idea of generations mm -hmm. and you know, here is this man in a different part of his life. Every day he goes and plays squash. Every single, he has not missed a day in 20 years. He just goes there and does that until he's tired. He said it could be half an hour. It could be two hours. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this, like, your love of physicality is, like, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then here I am. I'm sure he thought... <laughs> some wild person trying to climb these mm -hmm. walls but it was like these two different bodies and they're two different ways of tackling physical movement and then you mm -hmm. put those things together and then we made this video mm -hmm. um so there's lots of so many references but yes i am always exploring the body and it's and what it can and can't do mm -hmm. yeah there are limits mm -hmm. wow I don't think I could have put together a better show. This is, I mean, just, you know, really, you know, talking to you individually is different than having kind of having a conversation in a room with everybody and hearing, and I know you all are kind of, you know, hearing it too, like all these connections between your work. And um, so I kind of want to like close it out by kind of hearing your thoughts on like each other's work, on those connections um, on the show itself. Uh, I don't know if this is like a closing out type comment, but hearing <laughs> you explain that, it, it like John, like for me, like my perspective reads is like an NPC, mm -hmm. which is like in, in video game terminology that stands for non-playable character. Yeah. So he's just on this like repetitive loop yes. type cycle. And then Danielle comes as a player or like an error in this sort of like yes. system. And just yes. starts, like, that video is so much like that. And because her hair and her expression. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then uh, Erica, hearing you talk about your work and like uh, like objects, you know, I, I think a lot about uh, Theaster Gates um, mm -hmm. and his practice, uh, which like as like a producer and organizer as you are, 
he's less of a producer but more of like a um i don't know like what it like what you could call him but you know his his objects uh, and his practice based around objects seems like very aligned with sort of like how you think about objects mm-hmm. and how you think about like um events and spaces because that's a big part of his practice too mm-hmm. um yeah I don't know. Like I said, not a closing out <laughs> comment. Just <laughs> no, no. We little... can, and I mean, believe me, we, I think I could go on forever and kind of have you know really long, a lo- longer conversation. But unfortunately, people won't lis- listen to <laughs> very yeah, much longer time, time limits. Yes, in our <laughs> brains. I mean, I think that like all of our work deals with this the, the uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like Taylor's is is right there, like deep into it. But since we both work with technology and we had this conversation, it's like you can't predict what the technology is going to do. You can train it as much as you want, yes. but it has a mind of its own, which nobody really. I mean, people are really I mean, they're starting to talk about this more now, the human nature of technology. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting that we explore it very differently, but there's a lot of similarities mm-hmm. um, in how it's so important to us like for me the reason I make video art is so it can live in the second life Mm -hmm. because live performance for me is what the difference like in regards to my live performance practice and my video practice is that live performance to me is ephemeral yes I will do the performance and then it'll die and I don't want to ever return to it. Um, <laughs> Even when we beg, please do Bippy Boppy again. <laughs> okay, that's the one we keep. But it is about ghosts. So, you yes. know, they are immortal. Yes. Um, but the other live performances for me, they exist in that time and in that space and should never exist again. Yeah. And I perform it. There's a catharsis and sort of this like harikari feeling mm-hmm. that that part of me dies and I bury it with the performance. Um, but the the videos for me can live on forever. And I love this description of John and I. I am kind of like an error yeah. in the system. <laughs> and I want to be that. I want to be disruptive. The failure. I want to be the failure and I want to be disruptive. Mm-hmm. And I think that video really can allow that to mm-hmm. happen. Um, and so there's like this uncanniness mm-hmm. to like the beauty and the aesthetic quality of the performance. But the video disrupts it because I can control the video Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes I is controlled and then the other two uh, are not Mm -hmm. they were those one takes and just letting nature run its course yeah Yeah. but I think there's an uncanny uncanny valley quality also to Erica's work specifically with the objects and how the objects in space Mm -hmm. create a very interesting environment Mm -hmm. Um, it's not a closing statement. It was just like when you started talking yeah, yeah, <laughs> about yeah. Gates, I yeah. was like, hey, yeah. And when I say, and when I say to close out, I don't mean like, you know, okay, everybody say one thing and then stop talking. I just mean to kind of like, you know, round out. Thread it all together. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say like, uh, you know, we all can, you know, built brand new work mm-hmm. and we had Thank you you know, again. very, very little connection to one another after just maybe a couple of conversations and then we went off on our own. And I really enjoyed listening to everybody today because I've read the statements, but there's so much connection Mm -hmm. between just concept and design Mm -hmm. um, and dialogue. Now we all approach it 
in a different manner. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm just, I'm loving hearing three totally different artists that can deal with, with similar threads in their own practices. So mm-hmm. um, I'm like a little fly on the wall mm-hmm. watching y'all talk and listening. And so I'm just very grateful and I also wanted to say, you know, like collaboration is something that I take very deeply. And I wanted to say thank you to Delaney Smith and yes. Tabitha Trolley for um, collaborating on the ceramics and the garments uh, in this piece. I wanted to make sure that they got a little shout out. Yes, absolutely. And um, Christian Vasquez. Christian. For doing for the documentation, the, which you'll see later. At some point. At some yes. point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's just been an honor to, like, like I said, to work with both these artists, uh, and like I've, I'm thinking about technology in a total mm-hmm. new way because of you, Taylor, mm-hmm. and uh, Danielle. Um, your approach to video is kind of inspirational and uh, making me think I need to go get a camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the best closing I can give. <laughs> That's a good closing. <laughs> Raphael, I'm I feel like you got one chance to speak. Oh, I I think I was the fly on the wall. Um <laughs> and I feel like I could I have a million questions for everyone. Iris and I were talking earlier about like AI and kind of the implications that um artists will be faced with in the future, but um I think today's conversation was super I don't know. It was, it was eye-opening for sure, but it was also nice to kind mm-hmm. of um, hear from from you all. And then, of course, anytime someone drops some Samuel Beckett on me, I'm like, <laughs> yes, uh, and and I'll have to let you borrow the. Yes, I'm borrowing. Yeah, um, put a little no. library card thing in it, like a little. <laughs> yeah. When do I have to return it? We'll put a due date on there. Yes, a due date. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I was very much happy to be a fly on the wall, and I think um, that sentimental oh, kind of echo the audience's response because um i think some of the some of the things you all talked about were Mm -hmm. in in different parts of my brain that i know other people are also thinking of or looking at or connecting with um so thank you for for sharing all of that with us Mm -hmm. yes and thank you again to each of you for making these beautiful things um in There's such something. short <laughs> notice um i've uh, i have also touched um the flesh you've touched the flesh yeah too. i got to touch it in advance um of the installation i feel left out y'all you, you, okay you can <laughs> after we close out the podcast you definitely need to it, it is um to say the word visceral is one thing and then to touch it is another so that that's where you go. Like I imagine that's probably what like you know a muscle might. Yeah, like that's what maybe it's not feels as like. yeah. I'm just thinking, and I don't know if y'all do this ever, but sometimes I just sit there and think I have a skeleton inside my body, and like pumping blood, and that's just so weird and and I crazy think to think about. Yeah, I think about it all the time. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm not the only weirdo. It's not like a good feeling. It's like a oh no. Yeah, it's like a oh, like no. oh yeah. crap. Yeah. Yes. I have bones. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, anyways, thank you all so very much. It was really, it's really an honor to work with all three of you and to talk to you about your work, 
to hear you articulate it um, more for me and for this audience and, um, you know, to have you, you know, create such beautiful work for the gallery. And um, I just can't say thank you enough. So again, on behalf of OC3, thank you to the artists. Thank you, uh, Taylor, Erica, and Danielle. Um, for those listening, you can check out The Body Being through January 7th. Um, make sure you find, follow us on social media so that you can make sure we have some holiday hours. So um, make your plan to, to visit us accordingly um, with those hours in mind. But um, also make sure you find the artists that had the conversation with us today. Uh, Taylor, Danielle, Erica, we've been sharing their stuff all over social media. And uh, we will keep on sharing that along with this podcast. So if you're listening and that time has already come and gone to come check out the exhibition, The Body Being, make sure you keep up to date with what they got going on because um, from the sound of it, it's going to be some really exciting work in the future as well. Mm -hmm. Again, thank you for listening to OC3 Frequencies. We are a division of the City of Dallas Office of Arts and Culture. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure you rate us five stars. We don't like anything less than five stars. (laughs) We love five stars. Um, Yeah, and if you want to you know hear a conversation from us or there's something that you think we should be doing on the podcast let us know drop us a line send us an email um but we hope to hear from you soon and again thank you to the artists and we'll catch you on the next one y'all bye